Thank you for tuning into the 14th episode of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back. The Path Back is an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction or compulsive sexual behavior, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, I just want to thank you again for your support. Apple Podcast app and iTunes listeners, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. The ratings continue to grow, and I'm still just as puzzled as ever as how the reviews work. Um, I've literally sat in front of a friend who wrote a review on her phone and submitted the review over a week ago, and it's not there on iTunes. Uh, But I also know of another listener who had written me just a couple of days ago, and they shared actually the review that they posted, and it was there in a matter of minutes. But regardless, I don't want you to think that I am obsessed with the reviews and ratings, but that is how iTunes decides who they feature. And if you get featured, then you're put in front of literally millions of eyes, and millions of eyes will bring me even more interesting people to interview, which in turn hopefully brings you more content that can hopefully give you tools and insight to change your life for the better. It is that simple. So uh, so if you take a moment to, to subscribe, rate, review, spread the word, that would be wonderful. And of course, you can also head over to virtualcouch.xyz for all the podcast episodes as well for those of you non-iPod or uh, iTunes or Apple podcast listeners. And there you can also make a small donation if you'd like to help keep the podcast growing. Um, before we get started today, though, with uh, with my interview... Um, I kind of wanted to bring things uh, just quickly back to um, there was another shooting yesterday. I'm recording this on um, on a Monday morning on November the 6th and uh, yesterday at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. Uh, at this point, there are 26 confirmed dead and another 15 or so wounded. And of course, um, just uh, I hope the collective prayers of the world and the thoughts go toward uh, that 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 city, that congregation, um, and all those who were affected. But, uh, I, you know, I, I go back to, I had recorded a podcast episode just a few hours after the shooting in Las Vegas a month or so ago. And at that time, I just felt impressed to record a quick episode on speaking with your kids about tragedy. And unfortunately, as we're seeing more and more of these events occur, this is truly a passion of mine that it's imperative that you are there for your kids at these crossroads, uh, if and when they come to you to try to process some of these things, especially as they kind of hear more and more about this in their lives. And uh, and I want to make sure that you have the patience to listen to them. Don't shut them down. Don't tell them that their questions or their thought processes are wrong or bad or dumb. But but please be there for them. Listen to them. Have empathy. And I realize I'm probably talking to people that that makes perfect sense to. But, but I am... Uh, I am surprised at the number of teenagers that I get a chance to interact with, you know, and not even just teenagers, but if your spouse comes to you or coworkers come to you, listen, learn empathy. Uh, just because you have a thought or experience around tragedy doesn't mean that that's the right one or that everyone else's is wrong in turn. So everybody processes tragedy a bit differently and, and just now is not the time to tell somebody that the way that they process it is wrong. So if it would help, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, I am so grateful for the feedback that I've received from that episode and how it has given a few parents maybe a little better understanding of how to communicate with their children and teens. So so enough on that. But uh, but I appreciate um, I just I appreciate those of you who have uh, who have let me know that that has that has changed a little bit of the dynamic and speaking with their kids and their teens. 
Okay, on to a uh, on to a more um, more upbeat note. Today's guest is Dr. Sean Davis, and Sean is somebody who I would I would consider a friend. I've run into him many times over the years. He's here local. I've attended a couple of trainings that he's given, and I've sent friends and clients his way, and all to rave reviews. and And I really do mean that. And we have many mutual friends who are also wonderful people. So I've I've just always considered him a friend as well. And I hope to use that friendship to have him on more often because this was an amazing interview. And so before we get to it, first. Let me just give you a little bit about Dr. Sean Davis. So Dr. Davis received his master's degree in marriage and family therapy from BYU, and then he received a doctorate in philosophy from Virginia Tech, which I thought was pretty unique. When when I saw that he was, uh, you know, Dr. Sean Davis, I assumed that that doctorate was in psychology or a PsyD, as they call it in the business. But uh, but instead, I learned that he had a doctorate in philosophy. Um, he's a full professor at Alliant University. He runs a very successful practice with offices both in Roseville, California, just down the road from my office, which we're right here out of Sacramento. And he has an office in Palo Alto, California, down in the Bay Area. So you can find out more about Dr. Davis and uh, and his practice, what he does, at thedavisgroup.org, thedavisgroup.org. Now, Sean has written books, he's lectured, um, he's taught around the world, and is just one of the most pleasant, approachable guys that I think I've ever met. And I had actually asked him to just send over a quick list of his books and publications, um, that type of thing, before the interview. It's uh, his curriculum of uh, Vital or Vitae CV um, that uh, that I asked him to send over, and it covered 21 pages. Uh, again, and yet he is one of the most humble guys for as accomplished as he is in my field. I just thought I would take a quick peek at it between clients before he came in last week. And man, just scrolling through, and he is—he has written books. He has written so many articles and co-authored so many articles, and just intense, deep research, uh, as well as things that are that are you know put at a uh, at a layman's level. I mean, he's kind of done a little bit of everything, and I didn't realize the extent of where he has lectured and taught classes. It's been all over the world, and um, so I'm just you know I'd reached out to Sean a couple of years ago when I first started thinking about creating a podcast, and he was just as gracious then. He was all on. Board board and was willing to come. Um, but it, and I had to wait this long to get him on here because he has an incredibly busy schedule. So I was so, so happy that he could come in here. But uh, I asked him on this episode to kind of talk a little bit about working with couples. Some of the things that he sees come up in working with couples and couples therapy, things that could possibly benefit my virtual couch listeners. And I have to tell you, the, the neat part about this was with about five minutes left, I started to wrap things up. And then Sean mentioned that he had hoped to talk a little bit about rebuilding trust in relationships. And he made a couple of points in particular there at the end of this episode that I literally use several times that very day in my own practice. Uh, Sean is incredibly funny. There are so many good stories that I think people will enjoy as as well as a lot of good information. And I don't think that Sean even realized how funny he is because as you'll hear, we get toward the end of the interview and he's worried that he hasn't delivered, that there isn't enough meat in the episode. Uh, But I I give it a quick listen through again and I believe you'll find there is a lot of good information in this interview uh, along with some great stories from somebody who is, you know, he's kind of a big deal in my industry. So uh, truly was a get and was hilarious and uh, and also just give some really good advice on couples counseling. And I'm going to get him back for some of the other areas that he talks about as well. Get him back. That sounded like, I'm going to get that guy back, but I'm going to get him back in here to talk about some other things. So without any further delay, and of course, thanks in advance to the wonderful Aurora Florence for her song, It's Wonderful, that finishes off the end of each and every virtual pod, virtual couch podcast. Uh, on to my interview with Dr. Sean Davis.
I got to run to the bathroom really fast. Right. And I just washed my hands. I'm coming back in. And and do you have a bathroom philosophy? I mean, so if I come back in and my hands are wet and there's my client, yeah. do you go on in and shake because that might be a little creepy? Or do you let them know I just washed my hands? Or I what do, do you do? think about I will usually say, I just wash my hands. Don't worry. Okay. 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 But it is very, I'm conscious of it. Yeah. I'm aware. It's, yeah. it's funny, right? Yeah. And uh, just yesterday, I, I did that, and a guy said to me, "Oh, are you? Do you have like a germ thing?" And I'm like, "No, no I don't, but I think that you might. So I don't yeah, want this yeah. to be creepy." Should we talk right? about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Really smart, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so in your office, I'm curious. Okay, now we're going deep into who would have known we would start the Virtual Couch Podcast with, with Dr. Sean Davis <laughs> talking about bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is always awkward to standing next to the urinal. That's, that's okay. Uh, so we I have it like upstairs. Okay. So we all here in the, in, in, in their clinic, right? If you're if I'm walking out and I just saw a male client, I'm going upstairs. Right. Because I do not want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I try to, but sometimes I don't have enough time. Okay. Or sometimes that one's cleaning. They're being they're cleaning that one all the time for some reason. Okay. So, yeah. And it's always awkward. It's it like, is. what do you do? It is. It is. Um, and, then, and then I notice the therapist in me, I, I think that people, there's a great deal of the whole germophobia. Right. I mean, if you look in our bathroom here, I swear, first of all, do we really want to go down the path? I was just saying, no one ever <laughs> we can flushes, it, we right? Can it <laughs> yeah. And then I've gone in there a couple of times and I got people doing like contortionist acts trying yeah. to get the, the thing open with their foot or the, you Yeah, know. there's like, it's one extreme or the other. Yeah. I had a professor in grad school who would not wash his hands. And so we, and you know, we knew this just from, we were, we're all dudes, right? And yeah. So, uh, he would not wash his hands. And so we had a code, a system. We met, we had class in this little conference room and which direction, whenever he would go in, one of the guys would go in too. And then we'd come out in the, whichever direction the guy moved the toilet, the, or no, the uh, Kleenex box. Oh. If it was pointing at this wall, he washed. If it was pointing at the other wall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, are, are you, I mean, I don't, we don't need names, of course, but is this a man been outed before? Or is this the first time the story is? No, I think this over? is, I think this is your, you're the, uh, you're the, you're I'm, the intro. I, I'm, I feel it, privileged. It, <laughs> it is. Uh, well, so, okay. Yeah. Look at this. Uh, two, three minutes into this. Uh, I brought uh, Dr. Davis to... in to talk about, like, guys, he is a, an extensive, you know, um, his, his CV is, I think it's 11 or 12 pages with two on a page, I think it's 21 pages long of all of his publications and books and research. And then we start out with a deep dive into the <laughs> toilet habits of the therapist. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel like you're going to think, really? You know, okay. Um, but, but yeah, so my guest is Dr. Sean Davis. I have known Sean. Uh, do you prefer to go by Dr. Sean? Sean is fine. Okay. Yeah, no. I do. Okay. And I, we will get to some really good topics. I want to talk about couples therapy. I want to okay. talk about some of your experiences there. Um, but I used to joke all the time I wanted a PhD just so I could put doctor on my checks. It, Do you? It's pretty cool. I will use it when I go to like the rental car counter or something where yeah. I need to like swing a little weight around. Yeah. I don't know that it actually works. But I kind of got over it like a year in. You know, when I first defended my dissertation and all that, I was like, doctor everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was super annoying. Right, right. right. Okay. So, now I'm I'm over it. I don't care. Call me Sean. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know that. Yeah, but I know you are wearing a lab coat and you have a stethoscope. Yeah, is that kind right. of the normal attire? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. it's in my pajamas. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. That's my last bit. I will get very serious. But I, I used to think though it would be kind of fun if I I did just want a lab coat to wear. Yeah. Or I wanted to wear scrubs. I used right. to you know growing up I used to think well I'll be a doctor until yeah. I saw my first blood and I. I think Forget I vomited. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I saw it. I could still be the therapist that wears scrubs. Like that yeah. could be my thing. Yeah. But uh, I, mean, I do have scrubs for pajamas. And sometimes when I will wear them, 
people, if someone comes over, they're like, well, Sean, are you trying to be like a medical? I'm like, dude, no. (laughs) Okay, honestly, a transition into a serious question is, so when someone yells on a plane and somebody's having a heart attack, is there a doctor? Do you have to say... Yes, but technically the, the it's... The caveats. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like a need <laughs> no, to do that? No, no, no. Okay. Well, I can talk with them about how they're feeling sure. as they, you know, are on the floor. Yeah, but, uh, okay. Outside I of the, about that. That's nice, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to I get in a little bit into your, your background, and I really am curious. There's a couple of things. When I was looking at your CV, um, one of the things I'm impressed by is you... It sounds like you've done a fair amount of work on like evidence-based uh, models of therapy versus what? I mean... It, yeah, yeah. I, excuse me. I've done a lot of work on looking at is evidence based is there really such a thing as an evidence based theory? Wow. Okay. Um, and really, they're they're yes and no. Um, no meaning it's not the theory that makes therapy work so much. Like we used to think that the theory was the equivalent of the medicine, the pill, or okay. the surgery in in medicine, for example. Yeah. But really, it's more so. The therapist and the way the therapist manifests the theory and and okay. sort of and brings those those ideas into into the therapy room, which to most your average client who doesn't hasn't had therapy training is like, well, yeah, duh, right. I mean, I don't choose a theory; I choose a therapist. Sure, uh, but for us in the therapy world, who spend so much time focusing on training theory, yeah, uh, it was sort of a big. A big deal. So. Okay, and you know, and I, and the, as as I get more of these episodes out, um, there, I think there are as many therapists that are listening as there are just regular people looking for um, advice or content. So I think that's fascinating because I like to give that speech when I get a new client of. Uh, if you don't feel a connection, you can move on and find another therapist yeah, and yeah. I, it won't hurt my feelings. And that's part of the business. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so I, but I, in the back of my mind, I always think, okay, but we've got to do some evidence-based work. So I'm not just throwing out these pop psychology views of right. therapy. I mean, so, but so you're saying the, uh, the modality or the, um, that's still important, but if that bond isn't there, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Yeah. The bond needs to be there. There, I mean, there do need to be certain things you're doing with certain problems, problems, right? Like anxiety, there are certain sort of things that tend to work better than others or depression or whatever, but, um, uh, it's the bond. It's who you are as a therapist. It's who your client is like, how hard are they wanting to work? Uh, or that type of thing. It's the, f- fit between the two of you like mm. you can be a great therapist and they can be a great client but they're not the the blend isn't there yeah I mean, i'm the same as you I, I tell people hey it's not this isn't a personal thing it's about finding a fit here so. did you find uh that there are clients though where you feel like a few sessions in and you can kind of tell that they they don't want to disappoint you or that they don't want to necessarily you know let you know that they kind of didn't do the homework because <laughs> they don't want to let you down or do you ever feel that sure yeah and, and we usually i always talk about it mm-hmm. yeah bring it up hey but you know and in my in that case it's like okay well it's probably the wrong homework we'll, we'll okay. figure it out yeah, yeah that's yeah. good yeah. uh do you feel i mean have you had that experience where you someone has disappeared from your schedule and you have you know i don't know heard that they've gone somewhere else yeah um a few times you know more often I will have someone will just not come back, and I, you know, you, mm-hmm. you tend to be more. I'm like, oh man, I must have done something wrong or whatever. Right. And then, and a few times, I've been practicing here for like 11 years now, I think. And so, you see people over a long period of time, and and though someone will come back like a year later, who I thought I had done bad work with or something, right. they were disappointed. 
But they're like, no, it was great. We just, we, we got what we needed. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's a complete like shift of what I thought. Okay. Um, I love that. And I, and I, you know, I had an experience recently where someone said to me, I wish I could think of the specifics, but he basically said, um, I hadn't seen him in a while. And he's like, you know, that thing you talked about with, you know, I don't know, tugging on my ear every time I heard the word, whatever that changed my life. And I'm thinking, I don't think that was me. You know, (laughs) I don't think I say that, or I don't think that was part. It wasn't really that, but I don't think whatever he, I don't, I don't, whatever he was saying was pretty far from kind of something I think I would do or say. Mm -hmm. And so first of all, I'm grateful that it worked and that he attributed it to me. Sure. Right. But then I also kind of makes me think often, have you ever had that experience where someone tells you things that they are grateful that you taught them that you didn't teach them? I have had that more than once. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I will ask at the end of therapy, like, what did you get out of the, you know, what, what are the highlights, the low lights points, that type of thing. And, and all often, probably about half the time you'll say, Oh, I love that when we were talking about whatever, and they misunderstood what I was saying. Can you think of any examples? I know that's kind of putting you on the spot. Yeah. 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 Um, not off the top of my head, but I always, I used to try to sort of correct them, but right. then I, I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, great. You know, so a lot of my, yeah. a lot of my wisdom I've never actually said. That's pretty funny. Yeah. It'd be great to have like a Twitter account of things I didn't really teach. You yes, know, that, that, exactly. That were monumental. I have this, uh, you know, I just, my last, I think episode was on what I call the emotional baseline theory. Yes. And, uh, and I'm one of those, when I have somebody that is, you know, so clinically depressed, they don't want to even get out of bed. Right. If I can find that reading a novel or maybe even playing a video game or yeah. something might get them to do something. Yeah. Um, that one has backfired on me a couple of times where then okay. a, a, a mother of a teenager said, so I just paid, you know, whatever. <laughs> and you basically just said, Hey, play video games. Play more video games. Yeah. And part of me is like, well, kind of, yeah, yeah. but no. And right. There's a bigger picture here. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That can happen too. sometimes. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, you know, where do we start with your background? Um, there's, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm interested in, uh, but you know, you went to school, maybe start us with when, where'd you go, where'd you get your undergrad, your graduate degree and, and what, well, what got you into therapy? I mean, was this something that as a kid, you were that guy who everybody opened up to or? Yeah, yeah, oddly enough. And, and that's that's such a basic um, therapist story, right? But it yeah. really is true. Yeah, for me, it was, I was the kid that everyone that people like to talk to, going on into college, very much the same. I, I always felt like I had kind of an intuitive understanding of what was going on with people. Mm. Um, and so... Yeah, didn't know quite what to do. I was going to be a wildlife biologist for one, really? for a while. Okay, yeah, what, yeah. what led that? I, mean, why, why did you I, grew that? Up, I grew up in a really tiny town in the mountains, so oh, okay. I, I just loved nature, loved wildlife, uh, okay. that type of thing. But then I realized, no, you, it's it's tough to make a living that way. And so, um, anyway, one thing led to another, and uh, yeah, ended up as a therapist and love it, love it. When you went into college, were you already set? Were you intent on that? Uh, when I went started my sophomore year, I was yes. My freshman year, I kind of hopped around with different things. Okay. So. And, and even before we move forward there, it's funny how you said, isn't that every therapist story? So do you have any thoughts on why? Why Why are there these people that everybody goes to, you know, and everybody opens up to? I mean, you know, you kind of mentioned you feel like you have this this kind of this what ability to have a, a bigger picture or? Yeah, just kind of sense what's going on. I don't know. I think different careers attract different personality types. Mm-hmm. Uh and this is, as you know, it's a hard career. I mean, you're, you're listening to heavy stuff all day long and for year after year. And so it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it does take a certain personalities are drawn that are drawn to that. Yeah. I, I do think it's fun too, when you hear, and you know, better than anyone, um, that, uh, 
we're not here to just tell people what to do. Right. But I do, I will find people that sometimes tell me, you know, I really should have been a therapist because I am great at giving out advice. <laughs> right? yes. And that's from, I always think, no, no not, yeah, not yeah. so much. Right? Yeah, yes. yeah. So, all right. So you decide your sophomore year, um, you, this is your career, the career for uh-huh. you. So what does that path look like at that point? So I go in, I start my master's program, and it turns out it is much harder than I realized. Okay, yeah, where, where were you at? Bush, you? I was at Brigham Young University okay. in Utah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, much more difficult than I realize in terms of uh, just, I didn't. I never realized how much, okay, it's one thing to be able to listen to someone and to kind of uh, be a good listener. It's a whole other thing to be able to intervene with a family, let's say. Mm. Like, let's say the family looks exactly like, mine yeah. that I grew up in and I I was finding myself going back into the same roles that I fit into growing up and what you know some were good some were not and so, and so it's like uh as a therapist it was hard I realized wow I've got to do a lot of personal work here too it's not yeah. just like sit and listen and, ha- and have fun um I have to be go through a lot of the changes that I'm asking my clients to go through. And so, and that was tough. And there, there were two times in my master's program. I remember I actually had the paperwork filled out. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is way too crazy. Yeah. 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 Was it part of, I mean, I remember when I started my master's program, they said, this will change you. I mean, regardless, no matter what you think it will change you. And I thought, yeah, not me. You know, I'm, I'm a little older. I got a little experience. I'm good. You know? And then it's, you know, I think the, when I'm sobbing into a pillow one night, (laughs) childhood, I'm thinking, okay, fair enough. You know? So was there a moment like that, that was, had that paperwork? Yeah, there were several, a couple of those moments and it's, it, it it is hard. It was much harder than I, than I realized it gets, um, all, you know, good change is good change. Right. So the, the things I needed to go through were good Mm -hmm. for me. Um, but it, it was hard. It gave me a lot of empathy now, for clients um, going through their own things. Yeah. And were you yeah. married at the time? I was married. We okay. had a kid. Okay. And we, we, I was young, yeah. you know, uh, like 23, 24. Wow. So married. We had two, one kid by then. We had another one on the way. And so. Did your wife was, ever comment that she noticed these changes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. She, well, at first she was like my therapist voice. Okay. You know, we'd start an argument, get arguing or something. She's like, turn off that therapist voice. Oh, yes. I'm like, oh, oh, yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. yeah, whatever. So it was it was rough, but figuring out how it all, you know, because you get pretty heady in your master's program too. Like I know all this stuff now, and let me go home and like fix people. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Do you? I felt like almost every class I took was a. Oh wait a minute, this is all about my mom, right? And then the right. next one, I'm thinking, ah, so now you know it's really the family systems, and yes. every so you're, you don't realize you're bringing home to your family. Let me experiment this on us now. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, did you kind of have that similar experience? I have, and it, it never once went well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, That's a fair point. Yeah, I, I learned that. And I tell my students now, at, Profess, at, at Alliant, I tell them all the time, I'm like, whatever relationship you are in now, mm-hmm. you are not going to be in the same one by the time you're done with this program. Mm. It may be with the same person, but it's not going to look the same. Gotcha. Uh, it's going to be really different. And, and hopefully by the end of it, you'll realize how much of how much you are part of the, the problem. Okay. Right. <laughs> Cause yeah. it's easy. You know, for me at first I was like, wow, here's all this stuff wrong with my spouse as I'm learning all this stuff or right. my f- kids or f- whoever. Right. Yeah. But then near the end, when it finally started to settle into it, I was like, wait a minute, that's actually stuff wrong with me. Like it's not so much them. It's mm. like me, I could do this work. Yeah. And so I need to do, I need to work on that. So, so. did you have some, uh, 
in your master's program, did you start mm-hmm. seeing clients? At that I time? did. Yeah, we started about two months in. Wow! So it was really quick. Do you yeah. remember the, some of the first clients and what that was like? I remember them very, very well. In okay. fact, I, I often want, think of them and wonder how they're doing. Uh, you know, it's been seventeen years now, I think, wow. since then. But uh, what comes yeah. to mind? What are what are some of the situations or? Yeah. Well. Um, Members, a lady, yeah, I don't want to go too right, specifically, right. Yeah. obviously, but just a lot of couples. I started working with couples. And that's on. actually what I was kind of curious. I mean, I didn't even want to touch a couple for a long time. So yeah. I was curious. So you got into my first, couples right my away. My first 10 or 20 clients were all couples. Wow. Yeah. So I started doing that, which was sort of baptism by fire. Oh, yeah. Right? I can't it's, imagine what that was like. Did yeah, you feel yeah. like more of a referee at that point? or, or uh, Yeah. I had no clue. I remember my first couple was very um, – uh, reserved, quiet, sort of more conflict avoidant type. And and I was very um, much more involved teaching them skills on and on and on. And it didn't work very well because they needed to sort of come out. And then my my second client was very intense, a couple arguing like crazy. And then like, well, being too involved didn't work. So I'll be more passive. And so then I just sat there and they fought for like 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sorry if any of my initial clients are are listening, but uh, yeah, come back. I'll I'll, there you go. Give right. you a freebie. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think back in terms of when you would hear some of these invent, or interventions that uh, I would think in these moments where I had no yeah. confidence in them of, you know, uh, bring a talking stick in or whatever. I'm like, yes. oh, these, this couple, they'll hit each other if they have a stick, right? right? right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And that's all that stuff of that you did in the role plays kind of goes out the window. Yes. Right? I remember trying every little thing we'd learn in class that day. All right, I'm going to go try this one. And so it's a uh, – but honestly, I think there was so much – in some ways, some of my best work was back, just because you, you know, you care so much and you're mm. so invested, and so like I can still remember to this day their names and what yeah. they were up to and and all that. So. I think that's fascinating. I, I remember. Uh, I really feel like there was one point when I was in a at a nonprofit I was working for, yeah. and I maybe got a tiny bit behind on some of my paperwork, and sure. I had to go back and look at all these old files, and I was shocked at the, the how you can remember them so well. Yes, right. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Every now and then I'll reflect on how many people here in this valley I, I, I know and have been honored enough to be kind of invited into their lives. And it's humbling. Really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's wild. It's, yeah. it's very humbling. So um, let's move on into your yeah. PhD program. So, because that, this is the part I'm interested in as well. Is that where, when you were in Kentucky? Virginia Tech. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Yes. Okay. Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, the Appalachian Mountains. So went there for two years. Um Went then went from there on to uh, did a postdoc at University of Kentucky. Okay, I saw that Kentucky in there, and I was just kind of curious. Yes. So you 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 know your what was that experience like? I mean, do we have good old stereotypes coming in? <laughs> you know, well, no. See, Lexington, where I was, is very very cosmopolitan, very sort of like any other big city. Um, a lot of fun. We really liked it, but uh-huh. we it would get it would get interesting when we we had a few camping trips that would would go south. Well, one guy, (laughs) I was not expecting about this, but that's all right. We were talking, we pull up to a camping campground and there's a big sign that says, welcome NASCAR fans weekend. (laughs) Like, all right, you know, I can, whatever, NASCAR. Okay. Um, And this is deep in Kentucky, right? Okay. And like, this is interesting. So we pull up to a camp, the only camp spot that is free in the whole place. And we're walking, we're driving through everyone's like big, you know, like keggers and no one is wearing many clothes. It's like, (laughs) this is interesting. And so we find a picnic table and it's, we have three kids at this point. Okay. And 
there's this dirty old towel on the table. So we're like, perfect. And we set up our camp and someone comes roaring in and skidding into the our campground and get out of my, you know, all sorts of stuff. Oh. And we're like, this isn't your and it's like I was saving it with that with that towel. And like, this towel, this is like you can't even tell it's a towel. It's like yeah. a pile of mold. Anyway, so we there was almost a big fight and everyone comes over and like, get out of there. And so we left. Oh gosh. Okay. So be, be, just don't, you know, if it's NASCAR fans weekend, you know, sure. let it ride. Stay away. And, yeah. and lesson learned. Moldy towel does. <laughs> let it ride, reserves, let right? ride too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Everybody needs one in the back of their car. Maybe before they got to yeah, claim their I stakes. Know. I yeah. didn't know that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, so then you from Kentucky then, is that when you move back to California or not back to California? You're not from California. Yeah, I'm not from California. Yeah, well, probably, yeah, My here. wife is. I'm from okay. Utah. Um, I got a job at Alliant. I've, I had always mm-hmm. really liked Alliant and been impressed with what they do. And so... So got a job here and was excited to come out. Okay. So, so and so that takes you. And I want to talk a little bit about your, well, Hey, before we do that, okay, we are about to do the very first live, um, ab- advertisement I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. So, uh, you've listened to a couple of podcasts, I have. right? So you know that, uh, my podcasts are typically sponsored by Eli's extracts. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, uh, organic, um, all natural, uh, shaving cream, mm-hmm. head, legs, face, you name it. Right. Perfect. And so what I did is I, uh, the fine folks, Eli sent me, we've got two tubs of Antigua. We have the, uh, shave cream and we also have the leg and body shave cream. Mm-hmm. So they are both yours today, Nice. but I want to do a, uh, open it and smell it okay. live on the podcast. Perfect. I was driving, right. listening to you as I drove down yesterday and I heard that you got some of this in. And yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's amazing. I shaved my head with it this morning, as nice. you can probably tell. I can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Mm. What's the word? Very m- mild but relaxing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's a that's, that's a, a black slogan. one. What, okay. What's that one? Um, this one is uh, just good old um, shaving cream. Okay, just regular. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, this is the white one. Yeah. Mmm. Coconutty. Really? Okay. Yes, I like it. All right. Relaxing. Okay. Those both are both them. yours. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, and if uh, anybody okay. goes to elis-extracts.com, coupon code virtual couch, all one word, twenty five percent off their entire order. You know, it's kind of Fantastic. funny. Um, the dash, right. That, that right. Uh, needs to be there or else then it looks like it's a bad word. I don't know oh, if you ever noticed yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No, exactly. very good. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Great. So, uh, well done. And I guess before we kind of move on, I also have one bit and this could go South. So, um, and on one of the episodes a couple of weeks ago, I shared that I had a client that was very frustrated that I did not know the term clinical lycanthropy, which mm. turns out to be of course, and I'm sure you've run into this plenty in your practice, but where uh, people um, feel like they want to turn into werewolves. I mean, is that a pretty common thing that you... Weekly. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Um, so this client was so surprised, I did not know that, that I dug out my dictionary of psychology. I blew the dust off. I bought this as soon as I was going to go back to grad school and then never opened it. Yeah. So it has had one use so far. Uh, so I kind of thought it would be fun to see. I mean, you you are a, a doctor. You are a... you. Um, you teach at a mm-hmm. university, you lecture, you've got 21 pages worth of research and books and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I will start flipping this open, Sean. Okay. You you just give me a stop and then I'm going to go down a page and you're going to give me a stop. And I want to see if you know what that word is. You can use it in a okay. sentence and feel very confident. That's Are you ready? A, that's a thick book. All right. All right. Ready? Yeah, we'll Set. Okay. You tell me when. Go. Stop. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Hold okay. on. Okay. And stop. Oh, all right. Okay. This is good. This is good. 
uh, Ganser's syndrome. G A N S Z E R S. Ganser's syndrome. Ganser's syndrome. I have no clue what. Uh, never heard of that as well. Never heard of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you? Uh, no. Oh yeah, yeah. goodness gracious, no. I, uh, I. Yeah. I don't think I've heard of half of these things. Or not. Yeah. No. Not even close. All right. Uh, and this is one you'll probably never use in your okay, entire life. Good. Are you ready? A fictitious disorder or pseudopsychosis in which there is a voluntary production of often severe psychological symptoms. Typically, these are worse when the patient is cognizant of being observed. The displayed symptoms are almost always a reflection of the patient's own concept of some disorder and rarely conform to recognized diagnostic criteria. Uh, the syndrome is often seen among prisoners and army draftees who seek consciously or otherwise to receive special treatment by virtue of their disorder. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So when they're being observed, they create some... Yeah, some yeah. I wonder why, though, yet uh, it's more with uh, Sometimes it military looks, prisoners. Army I don't draftees. know. I don't know. Which you actually have some, uh, is there a book or a, you've done some research that has to do with the military? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I was thinking more like sometimes uh, husbands will get that when they're having to go to couples. <laughs> <laughs> got cancers. Yeah. Okay. That is brilliant. Yes, they do. A very, very observable symptoms, right? Yeah. That they do not want to be there. Okay. So let's move on. I want to, I want to hear more and then uh, we'll leave the bulk of the time to really talk about what, what couples therapy looks sure. like and your thoughts on it. So what's, how, how do you like teaching? What's that like for you? No, I love it. And yeah, I love it. Love it. In fact, I, it's basically just storytelling that uh-huh. you get paid for, you know? Wow. And so I had a sabbatical. I'm just coming off a year long sabbatical from wow. the university and it was, I, it was great, uh-huh. but I missed teaching so much. You I got did. once to guest lecture at a place in Berkeley during sabbatical, and it was like, you know, taking a big, long drink of water after a marathon or wow. something. It was so nice. Okay. So yeah. I love it. A lot of fun. I do a, teach a lot. I've been teaching for a long time. Okay. What, what classes do you teach? Right now I teach couples therapy. Okay. Uh, yeah. I teach the intro to the intro theory course. Uh-huh. Um, I teach... Uh, Dif- different levels of couples therapy, the advanced and the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach the um, psychopathology, so diagnoses, which I, you know, I, I miss Ganser's. So I, I know. <laughs> okay, here's your challenge. Never Can again. you work that into a class in the next I, few Yeah, days? for sure. Absolutely. Okay. I'll, 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 re- I'll report back. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, uh, and I, over time, I've taught about everything we offer. I've taught sex therapy, I've okay. taught, um, parent child like working with kids uh that type of thing okay so um i'm already i already want to request to have you back to even talk about some of these other things if that would sure be yeah okay. absolutely and then uh and forgive me right now but i want to in advance i know that uh when you came in we were looking that you have this you get to see the window right yes. uh-huh. so i'm about to i want to go completely deep dive in a couple's therapy but if i see something that would be kind of fun to comment on i, I you'll forgive my add moment no oh, please oh, okay. please do and f- i have window stories as well so do you really I, I, yeah, do you want to share one of those first yeah so okay. I, I, okay. <laughs> it must be because i have a window much like yours okay. and uh the other day i'm sitting there doing therapy and the client was sitting just like in here with their back to the window okay. but i'm looking at them and beyond out the window and there's a big black crow sitting there in this bush right, right behind him right behind him oh. and it's just sitting there staring and the topic of conversation was also like pretty dark and heavy oh. and after a while i said look i'm sorry i've got a because <laughs> i'm aware of, like i try to be aware of my non-verbals right and sure I'm like something's got to be off with me because i'm looking at a crow <laughs> i'm like i'm sorry hold on look behind you and she looks i'm like She's like, yeah, I wondered what was going on. Like, and she so, could tell. Yeah, yeah, something was off. So big pro. And it sat there for like two or three clients and then flew off. 
Okay. Do you read more into that, Sean? <laughs> well, no. We grew up around the Native Americans a lot. And okay. So I'm like, I know crows mean something. I can't remember what, but yeah. yeah. I, okay. After that, I want another one too. These are so good. Yeah. Uh, so Halloween, we're recording this a few days after Halloween. Okay. And I had a uh, the there's a couple of companies in my building that dressed up, and yeah. so I had the privilege of watching Waldo on the phone in front of my window, just fired up, angry, uh, <laughs> okay. very angry Waldo. And, uh, okay. and I recorded Waldo uh, just for my family um, yes, little yeah. group. Entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but I've never seen Waldo so angry. Yeah. I, I, def- I knew where he was, you know, and, and I think and anybody would have been upset. He was yeah, very yeah, upset. Yeah. You should have brought him in. Yeah, exactly. That's not a bad idea. All right, do you have another good, uh, I love this, window stories? I've had a turkey do the same thing as the crow. Like, okay. why, you know, we have wild turkeys. Yeah, I, oh, I see when I run and all kinds it's of stuff. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. So I had a turkey do the same thing. But it, they do the head bob, you uh-huh. know, the turkeys, and he kept head bobbing, like, trying to look in. And so uh-huh. I'm like, this is weird. So you, you have kids, right? Uh, yeah. Were you ever a fan of the movie Chicken Run? Uh, I, I wouldn't say fan, but I've seen okay. it. Okay. My favorite line in that was uh, the, the the older couple said the chickens are organized, right? Right. So it sounds like that turkey kind of really it knew what was going on. It did feel sort of like a reconnaissance runner. Like something's up here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> right. I, I think yeah. I closed the blinds with him. Actually. Okay. Well, I'll have to hear more about that, right? Yeah. Okay. So we've got a good uh, 20, 20 minutes or so left, if that's okay with you. <laughs> sure. So tell me, I, you know, I really want to hear your thoughts on couples therapy and why, yeah. you know, why are... Why are people hesitant to come in and, and what keeps them engaged and what do you think uh, causes them sure. to run away and what are the things you see? You go. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll start with why are they hesitant to come in. I think the big one is just not knowing what to expect and fear of – I mean most of us, we have our arguments with our spouse and the last thing we want to do is have more of them, right? right. And so it's like – I'm going to go into therapy. I'm going to sort of give over control of how this plays out and this could go really south. And so, so a lot of people will wait until it's sort of beyond what they feel like they can handle on their own. And they're like, I I realize I can't do this myself, ourselves. And so then they'll come in, but it, it takes a lot. I mean, think of I was thinking of this this morning, actually, how, what all goes into a couple coming into therapy. They have to first both agree on it, um, which is a lot in general. Like think of that conversation is tough. Then they have to agree on who they go to see and then find schedule. It's true. It's a lot of work. So a lot of, I have a lot of respect for people that take that, that are brave enough to go for it. Yeah. I I haven't thought about that. I mean, even that, that could be then it, it could be months really. Right. Or or even if someone's been harboring this desire to go, Mm -hmm. it could be years. And I think you, and we probably both run into that all the time. Yeah. I will have a very common for me. One, one member of this couple wants to come in and it takes years to convince the other one to come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just, a real quick thought on that. I I just had a couple where, and and I think maybe I'm sure you've gotten this as well. Mm -hmm. and, And when she's, contacting me to come in she even let me know that this is just it's just a you know just a, a, a uh uh to kind of renew some skills or that sure, sort of thing sure, and, sure. and of course my mind is like hey whatever you have to say to yes. get in here that's fine mm-hmm. but i was impressed it really was i mean it was they yeah. they're they're in a pretty good spot but it yeah. was uh it was just really nice kind of just gave them some new skills and, yes. and it was a pretty you know mm-hmm. basically quick process yes and what my thought was with that was i wish more people would just come in before like you say it gets to this place where it's about to explode yes i've had i've had i would say maybe one out of every 20 couples i see is is like that and it's 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 nice because they usually do it's very proactive but even for those that have exploded i always tell my couples there are three things and so even if you're like on the the brink of divorce Mm -hmm. um there are three things. If you have, we will make this work. Okay. Um, 
It's one of them is a commitment. If so, if you're both committed to making this to staying together, okay. Um, and if your communication, so if you're willing to like talk about what's going on, like to put it out there, you don't have to be very eloquent. That's part of what you're paying me for mm. is to help you bring it out and to say it. But if you're willing to be transparent about what's going on with you, and then uh, the other one is humility. Um, meaning if you're willing to sort of look at yourself um, and do whatever changes you need to do, mm. if those three things are there, we can make it through anything. Okay. Like, uh, and, and you'll be fine. It may be hard. It'll probably be, depending on what's gone on, you know, if there's a lot of um, betrayals or affairs or whatnot, it'll probably be some of the most excruciating mm. days of your life, but, but we will make it. Okay. And so... I, it's interesting, and I love that those three. So, if, do you feel like uh, if someone you, have you ever had somebody to say I'm not committed, but I'm here because yes, okay, and and some people are like I don't know if I'm committed or not, and and that's fine. Okay, you know I I'll take people wherever they are, and so it's like that's fine. You don't you don't have to be committed, or or maybe some days you are, and some days you're not, and we can talk through that too. Uh, we'll just figure that out. We can't really start couples therapy until you're committed, but there is. There is a ter- discernment counseling, it's called, where you're, you're working with a couple as they're deciding what to do. Okay. Should we move ahead with this or not? Okay. So, and so, do you, and sometimes you're doing that before then you really lock in and engage with a the couple's therapy? Exactly. Okay. Um, so, that, that I, I, I like that. I think that if somebody's listening right now, I, I would imagine there are some people that think, look, if, I, if I'm not sure I even want this to work, why would I go in and try to fix it? Yes. And okay. some people are afraid if I um, go in, it's just going to make it worse. We're just going to talk about, you know, drag all these skeletons out of mm-hmm. the closet. Um, and I, to that, I say, to be honest, in the short term, yeah. uh, that's probably true. I, I use the analogy of a wound. Like, let's say you got a really bad wound, um, a cut or something, and all you do is just sort of like wrap it up and try to pretend it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get infected. It's going to hurt. And when it does come time to actually fix it, the initial like spraying out of that thing is not going to feel good. Yeah. Um, but long term it will. Okay. So, uh, yeah, short term it can. Couples therapy doesn't always feel good for the first couple weeks. Sometimes it does. Yeah. But almost, you know, usually it does end up uh, getting better. So when you get a couple in then and they say, "Okay, fine, we're committed," do you do you kind of give them even a time frame to say, "Look for the next whatever. We we got to just do all we can for this," or are you just the assumption is. If you're here and you're committed, you are in. It depends. I usually just sort of assess commitment kind of on, on my own as I'm meeting with them. Um, but if it's clear, like let's say there was an affair or mm-hmm. something that happened and or or one of them has been trying too long to get the other one to change and they're, out, they're leaning out of the marriage at this point, uh-huh. um, then we have an explicit conversation about commitment. You know, we're, um, and not in like a shaming way you should be committed, just where are you? Let's, let's see where you are. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, I've actually, I've, I've actually heard of, uh, of a couple of folks that have gone to you and it's been very, very good. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, not That's of course, good to know. right. It is. And it's, yeah. and, I, and it's made me feel like a champ referring people. To Thank you. you. Um, but I do feel like from what I, the feedback I've heard is that you, you know, you really are pretty, um, you know, you're kind of like, hey, here's here's the reality of what we're dealing with. So there's not a lot of not a lot of dancing around, wasting people's time. I mean, no. Okay, I hop right in. I, my philosophy is, you're paying me to tell you what I think. Okay, uh, and so 
I and I I I, be, I tend to believe in people. I believe that people can can make changes to make their life better, and it's my job to sort of help you. Um, to put out what I think those are, at least. Okay, so, so is this too ambiguous of a question to say then, with that said, what do you think is at the core or at the heart of most of the couples that come in and see you? What's the, at the core of the problem? Oh, wow, boy. Hmm. That's a good and question. And it might be too ambiguous. No, 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 that's fair. I think at the core is... So the, can I make a book plug? Please. This is not, I get like no royalties from this okay. or anything. It's just a book I really love, but yeah. it's super obscure. Um, it's called Leadership and Self-Deception. Oh, I've never so, heard of that. Yeah, it's a fantastic. I've given out dozens of them. Okay. Uh, and But anyway, that they talk in that book about this idea that we tend to, we start to objectify people rather mm. than to view them as humans. Okay. And so... I would say one thing at the core for a lot of people is you start to view your spouse as as an object, me- meaning you view them primarily as, a, are they making me happy? Is this a thing that makes me happy? Do they make me unhappy, et cetera? Rather, and if they if it's happy, I'll be nice. I'll go towards them. If it's unhappy, I'll go away from them. Are they meeting my needs, so to speak? Wow. Whereas in reality... If you view them as a person whose needs and desires are every bit as real as your own, I mean, they didn't roll out of bed and say, I really want to, how can I screw up my partner's life today? Okay. You know, if you view them as your job is to meet their needs as much as possible Uh to help them uh, get where they want to go, that type of thing, um, you have far fewer problems. So okay. I think that's one thing at the core. Uh, there's probably a lot of things. Well, on that one too, I like, I mean, I'm kind of hearing the, then, then it's the, can that person be vulnerable? Is that yeah. difficult for them too? Do they have their own experiences of vulnerability that were shut down? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you yeah. see a lot? I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, and I, I, I want to hear what your, your thoughts are, but um, I feel like a lot of men have trouble in particular with vulnerability. Yes. In fact, all my couples work involves vulner- helping people open up more and almost always uh, a dynamic that I see uh, very, very common. The wife wants to come in, in for couples therapy. The mm-hmm. husband has not been excited about it for a long time, but finally agrees to come. And then the the husband will realize, hey, this isn't so bad. I can actually talk. It's not a ganging up against me. I can share what I'm feeling. He seems to understand me. Mm. Like, And the wife, too. Yeah. Um, but the wife's women, in my experience, tend to have more of that in their personal lives sure. than, than, than men do. Um, and so then sometimes what happens is the woman is like, wait a minute, we let's not do that. <laughs> you know, like, right. yeah. Be careful what you wish for, right? But, sure. Uh, um, Men do have a hard time being vulnerable. We're not conditioned to. We're not trained to. It's it's seen as weak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, one of my things that I say to people is there's nothing. There's nothing stronger than vulnerability. I mean, look look at um, what you have to do to not be vulnerable. It, it's a lot of work. Huh. That's know? interesting. It's, it is right. Yeah. Kind of put up all these walls and barriers and check myself all the time. And, yeah, it's exhausting. Okay. Just yeah. tell people what you're about. You know, just let it out there yeah okay so and along with vulnerability i think is the other uh cliched um phrase coming from my mouth is authenticity sure so do you feel like a lot of times that's even a struggle where somebody and i mean i find that at times the someone in the the relationship maybe has changed or different thoughts or opinions mm-hmm. or views and now they're scared of being vulnerable to talk about 
what they think is yes. the authentic them? Yes, definitely. Um, and then especially in my experience when someone has, has been involved with something that they're feeling secretive about or feeling ashamed mm. of, or if someone just feels a fair amount of shame in general, they have a hard time being authentic and vulnerable, which, as you've spoken about on here, I know, is, is really the main antidote to, to feeling ashamed and yeah. that type of thing. And so, so I will walk people through... Um, if I have a husband struggling with pornography, let's say, or yeah. I, I don't work so much with pornography, but I, um, so, or like with an affair or something, uh, wives too in this case, um, and they, I will say, hey, it's better to even just say, hey, I'm feeling really weak right now. Mm-hmm. Today is a weak day for me. Yeah. Um, I, I really need to check. Can I check in with you more than usual or something? Um paradox it seems in the short run like no way why would i say that you know i'm, I'm yeah. hopping into a meat grinder there but uh off almost always their spouse is like yes i would much rather hear that than you not say anything yes i might get mad i might get hurt but you you know you can you can endure that like it'll be that'll be like two minutes yeah okay know? yeah so um do you have uh do you have kind of and do you have people approach you and say, you know, hey, what can I do to improve my marriage or those kind of things? Do you have some good old go-to? Some some regular advice. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. The You may have heard of the five love languages. That yeah. book is out there. It's great. Um, the, the idea behind that is figure out what says I love you to your spouse um, and start doing it. Okay. Period. Um, pretty easy. Um, for those who are familiar with that, what is, what are your love languages? I mean, what, what do you, what are mine? I'm a words of affirmation guy. Yeah. 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 I'm not a gifts guy at all. You could never buy me a gift ever. Okay. Although the antique (laughs) (laughs) is fantastic. And I'm excited about that. Um, uh, that's a big one. Just doing nice things for your spouse. Okay. Uh, uh, how well do you know them? Like, how well do you know what's on their minds today? Um, how hard are you working to try to help their life go better? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. And honestly, just opening up and talking. Okay. Do you find that, uh, well, okay, let me kind of rephrase this. So, so you've got a couple in there, the first session, you're kind of putting them at ease. You're, yeah. you're making sure they're committed. Do you give them homework that first session or is it kind of depend or, or do you have some pretty go-to homework? It depends um, on some people really like it. Other people's other people don't. Yeah. Uh, and so I just try to get a read of the clients and if what they uh, are like. So and if so, a couple, if you feel like there isn't as much connection as you would like to see, do you have any interventions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the, in those cases, a lot of times it is just going out on dates, um, doing those, having fun, starting to have fun together. Honestly, here in the suburbs, Roseville, where we live, mm-hmm. you know, Lincoln, Rockland area, these people are so incredibly busy. Yeah. You know, and it's honestly so many of my problems. I've had this conversation endlessly also with myself. Yeah. You know, uh, we're too busy. Yeah. Over, overscheduled. Overscheduled over for what, you know? Yeah. And, and what, at what cost? It's, it's too big of a cost. I know it's a total cliche, but at the end of your life, right? Are you going right. to right, say, I man, I worked time. a lot, right? I know. I wish we could just collectively as a community say, hey, can we all agree that like half this crap doesn't even matter? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, have barbecues together or like just chill. Yeah. 
Um, so, so, and I know you have so many irons in the fire between, I, I mean, so you have, yeah, you're teaching, you have your practice and then you also have interns at your practice. Uh, yes. Well, so, not interns anymore. I have licensed therapists. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Actually, um, I have one intern. Yeah. yeah. Licensed therapist. Okay. And Here then, in Palo Alto. Oh, and yeah. now, okay. I have seen you post some things about that. What is that like to have a satellite location? How often are you down there? Is that more difficult than you think? Or No, it's great. I have someone down there that I really trust and who does really good work. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. And there's very much a need for her skill set down there. So, okay. yeah. It's good. It's okay. fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, are there other... Give me an idea. I do. I know you're familiar far more with uh, the the you know the pioneers of couples therapy. And, yes. And when I first got into um, therapy, I was a big Gottman fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think what does he say that he can tell in the first session within what is it 15 minutes that he thinks uh, or he can. Yeah, he can predict. He can watch a couple f- uh, argue for five minutes. Okay. And predict with 93% accuracy whether they'll be divorced within two years. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty um, crazy. It really is. And. and yeah. I don't know. Do you feel like over time, do you start to kind of get a little bit of that same sense? Yes. Okay. In fact, my my challenge now is um, usually after the first session, I can have a pretty good sense of where this is going to go. Mm. But my challenge is um, going at their pace. Yeah. You know? like, okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, and, and just sort of reminding myself, Sean, slow down. Yeah, it's interesting to me that your your friends have said, yeah, he's really direct, and that's probably true, and and I have to remind myself, you may know where it's going, but you know, it's their journey, their sure. process. So yeah. like, go slow. Well, that's funny that yeah. So and it's even funny how our minds work, right? I've tried right. to do a little bit on on uh, this uh, my podcast about mindfulness and mm-hmm. and where our thoughts can go, and and so even that uh, that when you heard that that they, you feel direct, did your mind go to this? Slow, I need to slow down. I mean, it it was, did. And somebody in my mind, I thought, man, I need to be more direct because I feel like at times I, I am not, you know, direct enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's interesting. So maybe we could meet in the middle. There's a constant recalibration, right? Yeah. I remember, and I think I've even said this on here too, that when I first started in grad school, uh, one of my teachers said that beware of the day where then you basically feel like when someone walks in, you do know the script and if they don't follow it. Yes. Do you, do you ever feel that? I, I do. And I, I remind myself of that all the time. I'm like, just maybe... Sean, you knowing how this is going to play out just means you've like prematurely like foreclosed on a story. Okay. Uh, And so you have to be really genuinely open to new stuff here. Mm. Just because you've been working with couples for like 17 years really doesn't mean you do know how this is going to play out. Yeah. Now to be fair though, are there, do you feel like you've kind of heard everything? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Every now and then something will surprise me. I I can't, I used to say, Oh, I've seen it all. Nothing will surprise. But then I, every now and then I do get side side swiped with something. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I know confidentiality is such our business, but if there's anything that comes to mind, you know, like I get, clinical lycanthropy dropped in my lap, you know, <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard that one, you know, no, I haven't ever heard that one either. Yeah. Uh, but anything, yeah. Anything that, you know, where you think, wow. Okay. That, yeah. That was the, big, the biggest thing that threw me in the past several years was, um, for, for a while I worked with several celebrity clients and oh. someone called and was like, Hey, hello. I just answered the phone like usual. And they're like, Hey, this is my name. And I didn't catch their name uh-huh. at first. And, yeah. uh, so they, um, uh, it was noisy or something. So we just continued on with the conversation and then, um, they, they could tell, I think that I didn't know who they were and, and because I was just talking as, as normal. And uh, then at the end they said, no, do you, 
do you know who I am? And I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> it did surprise me. Yeah. That caught me because I was. Ex- I'm used to thinking of surprises coming from like the extremities of someone's right. story, right? Exactly. Not yeah. from just sort of who they are. And so that that threw me. Yeah. Um, uh, was that when they ended up being a good experience? It, oh yeah, it was yeah. fine. It ended up being great. But yeah. I, I did had to sort of like talk. You know, you talk yourself yeah. through sure. if you're starting to have an extreme reaction. And so I, I started like, okay, Sean. Just normal, just do it like everything else. Well, I think that's, I mean, I think that is powerful though, because I, you know, that's the, I know these things, I, every time I set it off with, this is a cliche coming up, but I think people right. do say that, uh, you know, well, they, it must be easy for them. Right. Right. And, and I've had a chance to work with some people that are incredibly wealthy or maybe an athlete or yeah. like you say, a celebrity or politician and boy, real people and same oh, problems. Yeah. And you know, the guy who's worth a uh, hundred million bucks still has struggles and absolutely. And it'd be awesome struggles to have. Yes. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's very true. In fact, I've, uh, I've worked with people all across the spectrum and, uh, there we're all struggling with some version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, y- yeah, context is very different. Privilege is very different. Um, but we all have troubles. One, one, one of my little mantras is, and this is kind of a negative way of saying it, but no one is worth envying. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Like, because yeah, say this person has a ton of money yeah. and that looks nice. And having a ton of money probably would solve some of your problems legitimately sure but you don't see the problems that come with that yeah like you know a lot of people i have that are super wealthy as clients are like you know it's really hard to know who to trust yeah you know? okay and questioning the motives of everyone in my life and it's very lonely yeah and so or and if you're using you know money for toilet paper the band on the hundred dollar bills can kind of <laughs> right it's I mean, problems yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's counterfeit or not right exactly <laughs> right no but that is i mean they, yeah they, the trust part of with the money in particular yeah is, and you can't just go to the you go down to the drive-in and grab a burger yeah know? um so anyway uh my point being um envy envy is just, it's wasted energy mm-hmm. like find make what you have work because whatever you have i promise you there's someone else that wishes they had it sure yeah yeah um i i time went fast i mean i can't we're already yeah we're there and you didn't even get to look in the snack closet we didn't see anybody (laughs) in the in the window right i know exactly yeah it was very boring not on the window window yes exactly um but but i mean i would love to have you back to maybe kind of talk about some of the other areas of expertise if that's okay yeah at some point okay sure uh what are you doing tomorrow yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, but, but that would be great. And uh, any other kind of, I am curious if you have any, do you have any just kind of parting thoughts or things that you were hoping that you would be able to get to or things you'd love to just kind of put I wanted out there? to talk about trust really quick. If okay, I could. please do. Yes. Yeah. So, cause I've been working a lot lately with people rebuilding some trust. Okay. Um, maybe, you know, an affair or an addiction or something where trust has been ruptured. And so I've been having this conversation a lot. The way, the main trust has two components. Okay. If you want to rebuild it. Um, for one partner, it's being trustworthy. Okay. And for the other partner, it's being trusting. Wow. So if the trustworthy partner, and usually that's when their trust was in question at one point, right? Their trustworthiness, they had the affair or whatever it was. Sure. So if they are being trustworthy, you know, the couples agree, this is what trustworthiness looks like. And they're doing it, mm. but the other person is not being trusting, you're going to have problems because the trustworthy partner is just going to get exhausted eventually. Like, I'm trying to climb this hill that I can never actually. Never, they're never going to, they feel yeah. like they never win. Yes, right? exactly. Okay. Um, 
So on the other hand, if the person, the trusting person is, is trusting, but the other one is not trustworthy, it's just an accident waiting to happen. You know, okay. you're, you're going to get. And so I do talk with couples a lot about that, about how these things need to increase in tandem, you know, as their trustworthiness goes up, your trusting has to go up. Okay. And sometimes people who have been hurt, um, who were on, didn't, they didn't have the affair, let's say, um, they're they're hurt and they feel like they have no work to do like this i didn't do anything wrong yeah. um uh there's they should be they have to do and they will set up this like never-ending obstacle course oh, um, like that. Yeah, yeah to where you have to go through all of these things um and it's it's not really fair both have work to do becoming more trusting and becoming more trustworthy how, how does that happen what does that look like I mean, it, it'll vary by the couple, right? But it's you, the, the trustworthy, the couple usually figures out this is what, um, this is what I need to do to yeah. trust you again. Um, sometimes includes even as big as like moving neighborhoods or moving jobs okay. or something yeah. sometimes, but usually smaller stuff like checking in often letting me track you on your phone, that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then the trusting person just has to plain old take that leap sometime. That, you know, yeah, you might get hurt here. They might be lying. There's a, there's a chance they are. But yeah. you, you are going to have to take that leap. I love that. Oh, go ahead. Tru- I mean, to yeah. trust your conscience. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and I've got, I'm thinking of a couple right now and where, yeah, when the person is literally, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you track me. I'll take pictures where I'm at. You bet. Whatever it takes. Yes. And then the the partner is still saying, I cannot, I'm having a real hard time just moving past this. And and I've started to kind of really encourage mindfulness practice there. Those feelings are normal, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what do we do with them and how do you move them on through the brain instead of, I think right now, the the partner wants to continually say, I'm still hurting, you know? Um, Sometimes the one who had the affair does need to show a little more remorse. Like if your person is like, I don't want to start trusting you, you don't actually seem very sorry or you seem more concerned about getting out of the hot seat than in like uh, atoning for this in any way. Yeah. Know? I love that. I, I do. And then maybe this is one of those where I'm guilty of thinking ahead of the, yeah. what, what you're seeing in front of you. But I, I, I much like we were talking about Gottman can figure these things out in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I do have a little bit of this when, when people come in and if the person who is the offender is mm-hmm. willing to say anything we yes. need to do, I think, Ooh, okay, exactly. we're good. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, you see the one that's like, look, I, I confessed it and yes. I, I, we don't need to dwell on it and it's not productive and I need to, you know, yes. I'm not having, I'm not seeing her anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what is your, what are your thoughts when you see that? Well, I usually call it out right away. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, well that, this is not, that's, that's part of the point. But the other part of the point is you're primarily worried about your own emotional experience here. Yeah. You're yeah. worried about you not being in trouble. Yeah. Um, Sounds need- like you're extremely direct. Yes. <laughs> that is a callback. Thank you very much. Yes. All right. Um, Dr. Sean Davis, yes. thank you so much for coming in. I feel like we talked for five minutes, right? No, I mean, that, that was This was a blast. I also feel, anyway. No, no, what? Say, be vulnerable. Uh, you're fair enough. You're I, fair enough. Okay. I worry I haven't given you much. I, oh. I, we've just chatted about turkeys and bathrooms, and, bathrooms <laughs> and a little bit about couples. But so. I think you'll be surprised. I think we got yeah, a good yeah. solid, you know, five minutes in there about couples. No, I'm just yeah, I think it was, it was maybe, least, maybe 10. Oh, yeah. I think it was more than that. But no, this was wonderful, though. And I think that even, you know, it's funny that you put it that way. Um, some of the best feedback I've gotten about this yeah. podcast, quite frankly, has been just that uh, this is going to sound so, ha, what a cliche to end on. You know, Sean, therapists are people too, you <laughs> know, right. But I mean, but it is that there are people yes. that are relatable and that, right. and that that is going to be part of the experience coming in and that, you know, yeah. 
Um, not every therapist is going to have the, the patches on their sleeves and the whatever the, smart glasses the and, and the pipe yeah. and the, you're laying down. And, right. Cause I do feel like that's part of the stigma, right? right? That yes. these aren't people that I'll be able to relate to yes. and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So if anything, you have just done the entire profession, a great service. The opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I thank you for that. Right. Um, sorry. So I would, uh, any, any, I feel like here's the part where I feel like we're, we're doing this celebrity podcast. Anything you want to plug? You got any movies, uh, <laughs> books coming up? You know? No, I don't actually. Okay. I, I write lots of books, but they're all for therapists. And well, yeah. Okay. Your, your average listener would, would find them pretty boring. Uh, oh, you're selling yourself short, Sean. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, the, therapists, the, yes. Exactly. Yeah. But therapists know, know my books. Yeah. yeah. But I uh, really appreciate you coming on. I would love to get you um, back on. And, you know, I've been in looking over your CV, uh, maybe some of the things around anxiety, around depression, some of those sure. things that are pretty hot topics too. Absolutely. Uh, okay. And, uh, and, and for anybody listening, please visit pathbackrecovery.com uh, to learn more about how you can overcome pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior. And, uh, and I, oh, and also you can find these episodes on virtualcouch.xyz. And every time I say XYZ, I want to finish with PDQ. Okay. <laughs> but Sean, thanks for coming on. And uh, I will see you next time on the virtual couch. Thank you. Thank you. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost are floating past the midnight hour. They push aside the things that matter most. Heart you